I'm running late in London and trying to hail a black cab. I have to meet an Irishman who did life in installments in Pentonville Prison and a bunch of others who left to make lives here. A police officer, a father and daughter, a banker, white collar workers. And this black cab driver who stopped to pick me up. To the Bank of England, please. Patricia Toomey is the driver's name and she has a story too. All it took was one simple question from the back of the cab. Are you Irish? Well, she looked a bit Irish. It was the first question her husband ever asked her. Yeah, that's the first thing he said. He said, so you're Irish then? I said, no, I'm not Irish. He said, what, with those eyes? He said, what's your, and then he said, what's your name? So yeah, that was it. We got married about a year later. You made a good impression. <laughs> And yeah, her grandparents, they came from Cork. It's a bit strange being in a black cab like this. I live and work here in London and have done for the past few years. And yet I'm travelling around here like some sort of audio tourist taking in locations that are part of the Irish story in London. The same immigration is inherited. Sure, all my family have lived in London. Me dad met me ma here. Me sister never used the tube here. Imagine Patricia. She got black cabs like this one everywhere. So this here on the right now is the Bank of England. She used to work around Liverpool Street bang in the middle of the financial district where all the Irish work now they reckon there could be more than 20,000 in the square mile alone we're here in Bank near buildings with names like the Gherkin and the Shard and it was a fella from Kerry that built that. Uh, we're standing, looking out over the Bank of England. People like Sean O'Regan from Cork. And he's seen a different side of London life to that experienced by his old fella. The cappuccino culture. The frappuccino breaks. The confidence in knowing that he'll catch those breaks when they come. And they will. I'm a student over here studying finance and working in the insurance industry for a year. What age is Sean? Uh, 21. When my uh, father and brother came here, going back the years, they would have been kind of coming over looking for construction jobs, looking for any kind of temporary work for a few months. I've heard tales of them being up the top of a power plant chimneys, kind of wheeling cement across two footboards in a wheelbarrow, like with a couple of hundred feet drop either side. Whereas now it seems to be graduates coming over, master's students, people who've had work experience back home in Ireland, but just the jobs have dried up. But because they can speak English, because they're well-educated, they can kind of slot in quite easily here in the city of London. And there's definitely still like a good atmosphere among the Irish here as well, despite the difference in the industries. And we both work hard, we just work a different kind of hard. The square mile is definitely littered with Irish professionals. I think the reason is that they can 
have kind of the gift of the gab and they can talk away to you and they're not the kind of shy people to back down and kind of put themselves in a corner somewhere. They will kind of speak up for themselves and they're very knowledgeable as well. They seem like quite highly regarded in terms of education. I still feel like I'm from Ireland, but I don't feel like an emigrant in the way that I wasn't forced to move here. I know I'm lucky and very different to a lot of other people in that respect, but myself and a lot of my friends that are here also, they came here kind of by choice. Obviously, the jobs market was drying up at home and a lot of people just kind of said, well, before I even get an opportunity to not get a job, I'm going to go over to London and see what I can do and kind of settle in. You know, the tradition of Irish subbies on building sites, giving their countrymen a start off the boat. Well, just because of spreadsheets now instead of shovels doesn't mean things have changed. Through someone I'd met over here, I kind of found out about this opportunity with an insurance company in the actuarial department. I sent in my CV, kind of went for an interview, and actually it turned out the CFO of the company was actually Irish. So I met him for a coffee kind of went on from there. Do you think it helped? I think it, uh, it was definitely a big plus. I mean, my boss now is currently Irish as well, so there was two quite successful Irish guys in the company already when I came in. I'm always in a rush now. There's never a moment where I'm not in a rush. I think that comes with kind of big city life and you can just fit in with everyone else who's kind of running around beside you, so you kind of think that you're in a rush as well, even though you might not be. So everything's a much faster pace. Uh, Mealy Place, please. Tom Carroll knows all about Rush. He's only going to be able to do an interview with me in his lunch break. Street, approaching Hope and there were pioneers in this industry too. Tom came in 1989 from Limerick. Tom always knew the Irish could hold their own in the city that their qualities would be respected. Speaking a bit different, it helped a lot. I think the fact that in my job, you know, running pension schemes for, and things like that for companies, you're dealing with finance directors on the one hand and you're dealing with the worker trustees on the other hand. And whereas if, you know, you might have, if you're an oldie Tony and you've been to all the proper schools, you've probably got on very well with the finance director, but some of the, some of the trustees might resent that. So I think not having an accent that they can place in a particular sphere of society has been actually quite beneficial in some ways. And you know, I still feel that the education system in Ireland, with the variety and everything, was really beneficial when you come over here. It's not as narrow an education as a lot of the English students had. And I think that was very beneficial too. You know, and I would definitely say when I look around now and I look at the companies that have been run by chief execs who are Irish, the number of Irish companies themselves, the number of top brokers, top fund managers who are Irish, I mean, I think the image of Irish professionalism has, has most certainly improved enormously over those 25 years. You know, when I came over in 89, there was still a lot of issues over the troubles and bombs were going off in the city and while I can honestly say that no one ever said anything to me in a serious manner or anything that sort of would upset you but there was always banter and jokes about it and you've always felt very self-conscious of that and and guilty in many ways you sort of you know even though much as you sort of try to speak out against things like that you there was an element of that and the sort of perception of the sort of 
drunken paddy over here sort of you know sleeping on park benches was still very much intact my name is Dick Fitzgerald Dick Fitzgerald is from Limerick he spent years living on the streets of England and when he wasn't on the streets he was in prison places like this one Pentonville in North London he was here so often that he had the nickname the governor of Pentonville what does this place mean to you? Well, <laughs> brings back a lot of memories, yeah. Actually, at one time, it was my second home, yeah. We were kind of um, down-and-out drunks, you know, and there was um, the vagrancy law was working at the time. So you get done for vagrancy and done for drunk, and we were just life's waste. It had us all in one wing here, in D-wing. For years, we hid behind galvanised and everywhere until it was night time. You couldn't be seen in the daytime. You were a target, you know. And, of course, the reason being was, like, when they took me in, that was a wet night, well, the officer arrested me, got the night off. He had a charge. He brought me to court next morning, got me to plead guilty. And when I pleaded guilty then, we were the first ones in, he had the day off to himself. So, I mean, if I had a policeman, I'd have done the same bloody thing, you know what I mean? You may not have seen Pentaville Prison, but you've probably seen prisons like it on TV. A looming grey Victorian misery factory. You look up at it and think there's no way a place like this can have a positive impact on a man like Dick, but for Dick it did, eventually. Anything that was available, I got into it. I could go to a library, I could start reading, I could start writing, you know any social classes I was involved in all of them, you know including meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous one Jewish fellow come in there, Jewish Joe and, and his war cry was like uh, when Daniel escaped out the lines then he didn't go back for his hat keep running the next time you get out like, look back but don't stay keep going don't go back for your hat when he got free of the drink, he didn't forget his old friends. Dick had two lives and his second as a social worker saved hundreds, undoubtedly. In 2010, his work was recognised by the British Minister of State. That's not bad for someone who flouted the vagrancy laws. I've been on the front line the last 40 years, you know, trying to get him into bed and breakfast and into hostels and into rehabs, you know. And I just couldn't, couldn't make it. I used to meet them in wheelchairs, their legs falling off with gangrene from booze. And I said, Dick, what have we got to stop drinking for now, you know? And they're all up in Finchley. They call them the three o'clock burials. That's when they bury the paupers. Twelve at time, four wide. Four wide and three deep. It's called the eulogy was to them like a poorly lived and poorly died, poorly buried, no one cried, you know. But last year, the Irish Embassy put a, a little monument up there for them and a bench, you know. So I was up there shortly and <laughs> say goodbye to all of them, you know. Yeah, they're out of their pain, you know. Yeah. Is there any left? Is there many of them left? There's none left. I'm about the only one that's left standing today, you know. Dick fought all his life and won the most important battle, that with alcohol. 
Unfortunately, there was one fight he could not win. That with death. Just a few weeks ago, his partner found him at his home in Hammersmith. She said he had died just sitting in the chair, resting. It was a quiet departure from a loud life. He was 77. Uh, Croydon, please. He would have enjoyed meeting Natasha McKenna, a single mum held back by dyslexia, but who has gone on to build life on the right side of the law. Nine forty-five travel update. Andy McCall. I'm going to say it again. The river is flowing beautifully. Lots of room. Tell me about the M25. It looks gorgeous, but it's far cry for the M25. Okay, so now we're into. We're just coming into Croydon Town Centre now. We need to go to Croydon, where she works for the Met. CID. Starting out, it was a hard borough for a beat cop with a softer side. They might have lived lives in Britain on the opposite side of the law, but Natasha felt plenty of what Dick felt. The feelings you get when you leave and stay away are not gender-based, and they're not professionally sensitive either. Lawmakers and lawbreakers, they both feel isolation. What do you think, Mia Rose? Do you think Mummy has a strong Irish accent? No. No? What accent have you got? English. <laughs> My name is Natasha McKenna. Why did, um, why did you join the police? I just wanted something different. I was always interested in crime. But I'm a detective constable now, so I've got through my exams, although it was tough at the time with the dyslexia and that, but I got through it, so... To the Irish in the Met, what's it, what's it like? It's, it's fun, you know. I mean, I get called potato at work and, you know, it, it doesn't bother me. You know, it's, it's a good laugh. I think you have to have a sense of humour and, uh, you know, you'll always... Oh, I mean, I laugh at the, the Irish jokes myself. Yeah, no, I've never had any problems. You know, I just fit in. Ha- yeah. Happy St. Patrick's Day! <laughs> Yeah, well, that was for yesterday, and you said, but it's, we're in England, Mummy. That's what her answer was. I said it's not England, Dad. Yeah, I know, you did, didn't you? Yeah. And usually I wear something green or something orange or something to work that's uh, of the colour of the flag. <laughs> you getting tired? I think when you go through rough times, like, like I'm single mom now, but, you know... Um, I'm I'm okay, but initially when it all kind of went a bit wrong and you haven't got your family around you, you know, it's all right, you've got friends and that, but your family are your family, you know, and they're the people that are there for you regardless. So it felt a bit tough, like, for that, because I didn't have them to... Although you've got the telephone, it's not quite the same. You can't just kind of jump in the car and go and say, Mum, Dad, you know this has gone wrong, help me type thing. And sometimes because they're so far away, you don't want to worry them with stuff like that, so you don't tell them and then it builds up a bit and something else goes wrong. And So, yeah, just for those kind of reasons, you know. How did you work through it? I had no choice, really. I just had to get on with it. I had a job, I had to bring me a rose up and that was it. I just had to get on with it. I've got nice friends, so I was lucky in that respect, you know, that I had people there. And my family did phone me regularly just to make sure I was okay, Because it was around Christmas time when she was born. 
that her dad left. She'd only come out, I'd only just come out of hospital with her. My parents were with me then, but they couldn't stay forever, you know. They had to go back to their lives. And my mum has regular hospital appointments for her heart, so she had to go back to make sure she's, she does those. So then I was just kind of left to get on with it. And we did, and I knew I had to, because I had to go back to work within three months of uh, having her. Otherwise, the pay drop was too much. And I couldn't afford it, so I found a childminder and then eventually got myself an au pair, which has been great, really. You know, she lives here with us and Mia Rose loves her. So we got over it, didn't we, darling? Is he Irish? No, he's English. He only lives up the road from us and he's, he's in her life now, so she's she's fine. But no, I'm dating a fireman now. <laughs> Great. Yeah, it's yeah. about four months now, so. Yeah. Happy. Yeah, yeah, going well. Mia Rose hasn't met him yet, have you, David? But you will meet him soon, won't you? Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. How did you find the time to meet? Online. You have to sift through them to find the decent one. <laughs> Well, then ride me a rose. I had one date with um, somebody who had no teeth. So that was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and they could talk. Well, I, no, he had a picture on the um, on the site that was... He was just smiling with his mouth closed. And, of course, when I turned up, he went, Hello. All you could see was a pair of gums. I says, That's that. Bye-bye. Hello. You like going home to Ireland, don't you? Yeah. See your granny and your granddad? Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. What's their names? Mary and William. Mary and William. Yeah, it's your granny and granddad, isn't it? Hmm. Have you had some very tough days on the job? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the borough that I work in, which is Croydon, is a... Uh, very diverse. It's um, it's got a lot of crime just in Croydon on its own. It's busy all the time, and every day amazes me with what people do and get up to in their homes and outside the homes. And it's just yeah, it can be quite um, tough going, especially because you know I have a sensitive side to me as well, and there are times when you might take it home with you if you know. Especially after having a child, when you see things that happen to children on a daily basis. Heart wrenching, really. Abbey Wood, please. Like Natasha said, it is easier if you have family in London. Bloodlines are lifelines, which is why the next stop is so important. St Paul's Academy in Abbey Wood, South East London. 
I'm a teacher, PE teacher at St Paul's Academy. This is Like the police officer, Sinead O'Neill knows all about working in a tough neighbourhood. She's in one of the toughest in Britain. It's just a built-up area. There's very little greenery. The kids are they're just in gangs or hanging around. They don't have much to do. There's a loss of identity for a lot of kids here. But also, I'm learning from the kids. I've learned from them. You know, I took things for granted while a lot of these kids coming in here... You know, if they're coming with a, a new school bag or a new pair of shoes, they might be lucky. A lot of them coming from maybe poor backgrounds or socially deprived backgrounds, maybe a better way. Maybe they don't have that support of parental care at home and life's tough for a lot of the students. You know, so in Ireland, I'm sure that takes part in a lot of cities as well. But from the country, well, we were, were lucky to have the background we did have. I'm originally from County Tyrone and um, I used to work with Ulster Council, GA Council and Tyrone County Board doing a lot of Gaelic football coaching, hurling coaching, camogie coaching. So I've just trying to develop my career towards a better future, hopefully. I tried the camogie as well. We got some equipment, as the students would call it, sick, <laughs> which means fantastic. By the way, unfortunately, a lot of the girls here have sort of braided her and the helmets didn't fit as such. So kind of took a bit of a downfall we would need extra large size just to make sure it fits in those you know large braided hair Would you be fearful now if somebody said that like you might end up living back in Ireland? Um, I wouldn't be fearful because what you can see is like a generation repeating itself I think my father was here in the 60s and he's back working this last two years and he's worked all of his life in Ireland, but in the construction industry, and there's no work anymore, so he's probably down to his last few years before retirement, and he's back in London working himself. Um, dad's back in London? Yeah, he's, no. ba- he's back in London. Wow. Yeah, along with a lot of other men in the same position, married men with grown-up kids that need work, and it's an Irish company, it's a, it's a local Cookstown company that work, and they're actually booming in London. Sinead says she never imagined being in London, not with her dad, and he never imagined he'd be back here again with his daughter. Well, my name is Packy O'Neill, as the boys call me at home, Big Pack. This project run here at the moment, it, it, it's up now to the end of June, so I'll, I'll, I'll see how that goes, you know. The time I was at home there, sitting about there, it was, it was a long day, you know. Some days you had the grass mowed twice in the one day, you didn't realise it to occupy yourself you won't do nothing So you're happy that you came back Ah well I know the, I know most of the fellas in there that owns the place I, 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 the company men that owns it I know, I know a few of them I worked them in 2000 I worked them before in at home in Belfast I don't, they were doing hotels that time so it's good to see Irish companies doing that because it's a chance for somebody at home you know I'll not be at this all the time with those younger people and they're training up younger people and that's the way you, you move forward that's life it was it was really nice to have somebody close to home because I had come to London and, you know, being a wee bit younger, I was sort of quickly had made my friends and settled into my work path as well. So I'm sort of looking out for my father and thinking, God, I hope he's going to be all right, you know. And I didn't know if he was going to be living with other sort of workmen from his place, you know. So I was sort of concerned. I think it was more about his evenings because I know Dad likes to come home in the evening and have his own space at home and... You know, if it's go out to the shed, pretend that he's doing something or take the dogs for a walk. He wasn't going to have that luxury here in London, you know. So it was nice. I, you know, went up in the evening, did a bit of home cooking and at the weekends sort of spent a bit of time. 
it sort of helped because I have built a relationship with dad in a different sense, you know, compared to home and sort of living under the, you know, I'm not going to say the house, home rules. But, you know, we were sort of on the same pathway, like, and, you know, we were sort of on his level more so as well. But, yeah, so mum, she's on the phone as usual. She's sort of running the household at home. There's another four still at home. And there's a couple of grandchildren as well, so... And the people in the city, has the, has the people changed? Yeah, when I was up and around Kilbourne in that area where I was in the 70s now, there's no Irishman at all now. There's no, you wouldn't get Irish in that area at all. It's all a different culture up there now, you know. So there's changes in places that have been big Irish places at that time. It seems to be of all. When you go about the streets in London here now, you, you, it's very hard to find an Englishman. It seems to be all nationalities, but it's very seldom. You, you, very hard first sometimes to get English men and walking on the sites in in the trade. But maybe they have brains. They don't need to work on the construction site. They've got an office job. Can you bring me back to Smithfield, please, Patricia? Thanks. In Chillingham, Stephen Southwark, Leo, Alex from Ashted, Becky from Dartford, Darren in West Wickham at Magic FM. Travel news Growing up, it felt like Irish people fell through the gaps in London. The troubles in the north of Ireland and the IRA bombing campaign further widened those gaps. Later, I learned that it wasn't just people who fell through them, but their stories. Shouted down by the noise of explosions, the weight of sad tales and unbalanced reporting. My Uncle Jimmy would come back from St Albans and my Uncle Martin would return from West Ham, both on holidays. I loved their scales, the ducking, the weaving, the drinking the characters I'd always go with my dad when he was bringing them to the plane on the way home I'd ask will he ever come back only Jimmy made it but when he did it felt like he wasn't back where he belonged he was just too too long gone a part of me hated London for doing that but then all my family had done their time here and got out my dad met my ma here some of my relations were among the so-called men who built Britain. Others nursed the National Health Service through the early years. Two massive social achievements that more should be made of. After a couple of months in London, pennies like these achievements started dropping like pounds. Because contrary to the Pogue song, it didn't rain every night in Soho. And Barry McGuigan's world title success in Loftus Road in 1985 wasn't her only success story. There were thousands of ordinary Irish people in London living extraordinary lives, doing well here, some really well. I'm always impressed by their stories, fascinated by what they did and how they did it. But being Irish here in Britain never gets the same billing as being Irish in America. And always the enduring question, will you go back? I guess as long as I'm in London I'll be asking Irish people how long they've been here and whether they plan on staying. We all do it. Search for some kind of insight into the future. What is it that you miss from home and why, I guess, even 
Yeah. Um, I suppose it's just having so much more in common with everyone on the street. Everyone that you meet, you have so much more in common with them. So much more shared interests. I mean, I share a house with five English lads. The amount of kind of jokes and kind of banter that you would normally have with friends back home, you just don't really have quite the same connection with them. They still have great fun and get on very well, but I just kind of miss that. Something that's probably particular to London is that I'm from kind of near the countryside at home, so I would miss the countryside a lot. London's never quiet. There's never a quiet moment. And when you come out of London, even for a few hours, you kind of realise just how loud the quietness is almost. Like, just hearing nothing is nice for a few hours. But um, I suppose the main thing I miss about Ireland is just the people. My mum's 75, 76, I think. Yeah, my dad's slightly younger. Is that Would that be something on your mind, that they're kind of getting older and you're, li- you're not living in Ireland? Yeah. Is that, is that tough? Yeah, because, um, as I say, I've got a new boyfriend and uh, his dad's quite ill. You know, he goes to visit him regularly and that, but they don't think he's got very long left. So I think, you know, I was thinking about that today as I was coming back because I went to see him at the weekend and I thought, well, you know, one day that's going to happen to my parents. And although you're just a plane ride away, it's still not the same when you're not there to look after them. Although my sisters are there, but still I feel a bit responsible as a child, you know, that they're my parents. So, yeah, and you think, well, will one cope without the other and what will happen then? So, yeah, being away from home for that side of things is always a bit difficult, plays on your mind. Yeah, it is always a little worry. I'm five, I'm five years living here now and I find it difficult when I go back to my hometown to join in with my old mates who mm. haven't left my own town. Yeah. And I find I have to temper what I, what I, what's going on in my life and just kind of join in on that level. Would you kind of relate to that experience? Has it ever... I think, yes. I mean, I do find that, you know, some of the friends that I had when I was younger, but again, it's been 25 years, and even if I was living in Ireland, you do have different interests and different things. So some of the friends that I had when I was growing up, I have very little in common with now, and although, you know, even if when we do meet up, you know, it's not, not always easy. So to be honest, when I go back, I spend the vast majority of my time with my brothers and sister, and that's my parents. And I know what you mean, that, you know, especially when things are maybe aren't as good in Ireland, you, can, you can't go back and say, you know, oh, it's all great in London, and thanks very much, but it's... I do temper these things, yeah. So what's London like? I still don't know how to answer that question. When I return home, I just say it's grand. Leave it at that, then try and join in on conversations which didn't stop just because I left. The easiest way to sum London up, well, you do more and sleep less. But I got used to it, have been hardened by it. I go home now and the quiet can feel deafening for the first few days. And Acts of friendliness from strangers, check your step then, slow when it comes to flying back just when you've gotten used to it again. Yet these things aren't enough to bring me back, not yet. London is addictive. The opportunity of the place, the everything about the place, and the absence of any pressure to conform to anything. Okay, just pay for that now. Oh, 
never know who's going to jump in your taxi, do What are the things you enjoy about Ireland now when you go back there? What the little things that you like, that you enjoy back in Limerick? Well, it's great to go back to the old mountains and the hills. You know, I really come alive, because I'm part of that, you see. See, once you're a country boy, you're part of that environment, you see. And I was often thinking of there, like, of, of the Glen where I was young, you know, and that just, just really hit me, you know, that one day I could kind of revisit it and relive it all again, you know, when Deering's woods are fresh and fair. And a joy that is almost pain. My heart goes back to wander there among the dreams of the days that were, and I find my lost youth again. And the strange and beautiful song, the groves are repeating it still. A boy's will is the wine's will, and the thoughts of youth are long, long thoughts. Will you grab a cup of tea? Oh, that'd be music to my ears. <laughs>